You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. Robotic surgery for prostate cancer. What are its pros and cons, and when is it appropriate for our patients? Joining us today to discuss prostatic cryosurgery and robotic prostatectomy is Dr. David Lee, Chief of the Division of Urology at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center and Assistant Professor of Surgery at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Lee. Oh, thanks for having me, Lee. It's a real pleasure to be here. Maybe I can start as an internist taking a step back and just talking about treatment of prostate cancer in general. Is there a clear benefit to surgical treatment for localized prostate cancer? Yeah, that's a really good question, and a lot of people debate this issue. As you know, there's lots of different treatments available for men with prostate cancer, and that's both a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is that we can tailor the treatment to our specific patients with the specific medical problems that they have. But it's a bad thing because it can create a lot of anxiety, especially in the decision-making process, because there are situations where one option isn't clearly better than another option for a specific patient. And so going back to your more specific question between surgery and radiation, there are, I think, better patients that are suited specifically for radiation as opposed to surgery, but the treatment outcomes as far as cancer control goes for the large majority of patients that we see looking at surgery versus radiation, the treatment outcomes as far as cancer control for the first 10 years is very, very similar between the two. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of men have difficulty choosing. And so If you look at longer-term outcomes, however, 15 to 20 years down the line, it does seem that surgery has better long-term outcomes that far down the road. And so for the younger patients, we tend more to lean towards the surgery treatment options, whereas the older men who may be a higher surgical risk, we lean more towards the radiation because if you look at 10 years, those numbers are very, very similar. And they may not have the longevity to benefit from the, what for them might be a riskier approach. That's right. You know, we almost take an actuarial type of view of the situation, you know, and it may seem a little bit cold sometimes, but, you know, if men are older when things get started, and then depending on the grade of their disease, if they have a lower grade, then it may not be that important 15 years down the line. Is watchful waiting ever still considered? Oh, it's very strongly encouraged for some patients, you know, especially if they're 75 or older and have had a heart attack in the past, then it may be likely that in those patients that a small amount of early low-grade prostate cancer isn't really going to affect the length of their life. And so watchful waiting may actually be the preferred treatment option in those men. For a lot of men, though, it really comes down to what they feel most comfortable with. If they feel like they have too much anxiety with the whole situation and they just want their prostate out, then you know surgery becomes the best treatment option for them, whereas some men are too afraid of surgery and have heard lots of horror stories before about men going through radical prostatectomy that 
they feel more comfortable with the radiation or watchful waiting. And that makes very good sense. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health System on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with us today is Dr. David Lee, Chief of the Division of Urology at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center and Assistant Professor of Surgery at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. We're discussing newer approaches to prostate cancer. So, Dr. Lee, we've got the diagnosis now. How do the newer techniques, cryosurgery and robotic surgery, differ from a traditional prostatectomy? Uh, Tell us a little about that. Oh, sure. And maybe we better break it up into two separate sections because the two treatment options are very, very different. And I can touch on the prostate cryosurgery first. This is a very different type of treatment where we're using temperature as our tool And so we literally try to freeze the prostate. And so the process by which we do this is the patients go to the operating room and get put under general anesthesia. And then using a system ultrasound guided in the very similar way that we do the prostate biopsies, small needles are placed in through the skin between the scrotum and the rectum. These are placed into the prostate under the ultrasound guidance, but these needles allow the circulation of liquid argon through the interior of the needle. This creates very, very cold temperatures within the prostate, and what we're looking for is a minus 40-degree isotherm that coats the inside and up to the edge of the prostate in order to kill all of the benign and malignant prostate cells contained in that area. The great thing about freezing is that it seems to work really, really well in killing tissue, uh, both benign and malignant. The downside for some men is the potency issue because the cavernous nerves that cause erections to occur, they live very close to the surface of the prostate. And so if you can imagine, if we're getting a minus 40 degree isotherm around the entire periphery of the prostate, well, we have minus 30, minus 20 degrees Celsius, minus 10, you know, extending far beyond the edge of the prostate. And this is going to, you know, really injure the nerves, the cavernous nerves, so that men have a real difficult time with erections afterwards. There are longer-term studies now out there following guys after prostate cryotherapy And it seems like the cancer control is really very, very close to what we would see with surgery or radiation. The continence profile seems very, very good as well with less than 1% to 5% of guys having any type of urinary incontinence. But the real downside is the potency issue where it'll be less than 5 or 10% of guys get their erections back sometime down the line after prostate cryosurgery. That's obviously a very high percentage of impotence afterwards. it is. But one of the newer aspects of prostate cryosurgery that's come out recently is the idea of focal therapy, where we freeze just one small part of the prostate in an attempt to spare the nerve. But, you know, we have to look at this with a lot of healthy skepticism because we know that prostate cancer is a multifocal disease. It tends to pop up in several areas of the prostate. And so if we freeze just a small part of the prostate, 
you know, in the typical patient, it's likely that we leave some prostate cancer cells behind. So what's typically done is using a real thorough prostate biopsy where 30 to 50 cores of the prostate are taken out and then mapped across the whole three-dimensional model of the prostate, then we can figure out, you know, maybe in this guy with a real small amount of prostate cancer seen on these biopsies, we can freeze just one small part of the prostate and hopefully bear the nerves really well while thoroughly treating this guy's prostate cancer. And so, you know, this is going to be only a small percentage of guys who are real good candidates for this type of procedure. But, you know, these are things that are getting explored with focal therapy. Is there then, after the treatment, necrosis of the gland? Is this something that's painful after the procedure for the patient? It tends not to be as large an issue as you might think because one of the manipulations that people who are performing cryosurgery do is to put a Foley catheter in in order to warm the urethra so that Mm -hmm. that part gets relatively well protected so that sloughing and necrosis tends to be not that much of an issue. Certainly there's a lot of swelling in the prostate after the procedure and so guys do still have to have a Foley catheter and a suprapubic tube catheter in. You know, the suprapubic tube is not something that we typically leave after a radical prostatectomy. Mm-hmm. And so the guys end up with an extra catheter, but then the Foley catheter tends to come out fairly quickly, and then they have the suprapubic tube in, and then the patients start voiding trials by capping the suprapubic tube so that once the swelling in the prostate goes down enough, then they can start peeing. Very interesting. And then the other category is, is it the Da Vinci robotic surgery? So this type of procedure is very similar to the traditional open radical prostatectomy. Surgeons explored the treatment of prostate cancers through a minimally invasive approach by using laparoscopy. So, you know, laparoscopic cholecystectomy for gallbladders. Why can't we use this type of technology for prostate? Well, I was lucky enough to do a fellowship with Dr. Ralph Clayman, and Dr. Clayman actually did the first laparoscopic kidney removal in the world in 1990 or so. Him and another physician actually tried a small series of laparoscopic prostatectomies in the mid-90s, and they found it was just so technically difficult that they had a really hard time doing this in any less than six to eight hours. And so they wrote a paper and basically said, yeah, we can do this, but it may just be taking too long where skilled open radical prostatectomists do this in two hours. And so if we're keeping the patients on the table for six to eight hours, then all the benefits of a minimally invasive procedure are really gone. And so they thought, well, it's probably not worthwhile exploring. Well, there were a couple other surgeons in France, Dr. Claude Abou and Dr. Bertrand Guillenot, who worked very hard to develop a real reliable technique for this procedure and were able to start doing these laparoscopic prostatectomies in about three, three and a half hours really reliably. And then so lots of urologists started exploring laparoscopic prostatectomy in the late 90s to early 2000s. But it's still a very technically difficult operation where you need a lot of expertise, especially with the suturing, uh, which can be really technically challenging. Very difficult. And so this is where the Da Vinci robot came in. Dr. Manny Menon at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, he actually 
asked Dr. Guillano to come from France and help him to learn how to do laparoscopic prostatectomy, but Dr. Mendel was having such a difficult time. He said, why don't we take this robot, which has just been introduced for cardiac surgery, and see if we can use this to do the same laparoscopic prostatectomy. And so their paper was the first that showed a real benefit of using the robot for this type of procedure, and this has really now exploded in urology. Well, I want to thank my guest, Dr. David Lee, from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, who has been outlining for us the approach to prostate cancer and then some newer techniques with cryosurgery and robotic surgery. A very, very interesting stuff. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. To learn more about this or any other show, please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can also register and sign up for access to our on-demand features. Thank you for listening.